to the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 10. The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 10. And we will find our text of emphasis today um, starting at verse 18. The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 10, starting at verse 18, you'll find these words. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Today, saints of God, I just want to talk to you from the thought, rejoicing because you're saved. Rejoicing because you're saved. The gospel according to Luke is an interesting gospel in that the gospel writer is a Gentile. The gospel writer here, the, by whose name the gospel is attributed, is a physician by the name of Luke. I want you to know that Luke was not one of the 12 disciples. No, Luke came along a little while later. Amen. But this physician, Luke, was a very faithful friend to Paul the Apostle. It was Luke that was with him after Demas had forsaken Paul. Paul said, all others have gone except Luke is with me. Which allows us to see that Luke was not just a writer, not just a physician, but he was also a faithful believer and companion to Paul the Apostle. Amen. He was a friend, amen, that stuck close to him more than Paul's own siblings. Amen. He, he was one that was with him in the dungeons. Amen. When Paul was in the prison epistles, Luke was with him. In those dark and dingy days, amen, where sickness was all around, the physician Luke was there to keep Paul healthy, to love on Paul and to be faithful to him because he understood how God had been faithful to him. And so he exhibited his gratefulness of God's faithfulness to him by being faithful to his brother. Amen, because they were now brothers now. 
Even though Paul was a Jew from the, from the tribe of Benjamin and Luke was a Gentile, because of Jesus Christ, they were now brothers. Because he took the two and became one. Amen? So this Luke was writing this gospel to his friend, his friend by the name of Theophilus. Theophilus, he wanted Theophilus to understand the realities of serving Jesus Christ. He wanted to give him a more excellent account of the life of Jesus Christ from a perspective that a Gentile would understand. See, he wanted him to get this in a way so that he could really get the account of Jesus so he could really understand the implications of the life of Jesus Christ. It is almost as if Luke's gospel is almost the most exhaustive of the gospels out of the four. Luke took time and he was meticulous in his writings, amen, to try to cover as much detail as possible so that Theophilus would get a full picture of Jesus Christ. And this same Luke was so thorough in his work, amen, that he also wrote a companion book as well called the book of Acts. A historical book, amen, that looked at the historical analysis of the church as it began to uh, expand and it began to grow after Pentecost. After Jesus gave instruction to the disciples to wait until Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come and endue them with power. It is that account where he accounts the life of the disciples and then three of the missionary journeys of Paul the Apostle. It was a very exhaustive book to give us an idea of the history of the early church. And that book was also written to his friend Theophilus. As we see, Luke was thorough. But I think we can get to ourselves a history lesson as well about how we ought to be in thorough in all of our doings. Luke was thorough because he loved the Lord and he wanted to please the Lord and he wanted to do what he could do with the best of his ability and all the giftedness he had in order to be pleasing to God and to affect other folk lives for that same gospel of Jesus Christ. And so for you and I, this is also a reason for us to be thorough as well. Whatever gifts, whatever abilities you have, do it to the best of your ability. Don't shortchange, don't have shortcuts, but do it all as if you were doing it to the Lord. Amen. You were doing it for the Lord and the Lord was watching your work. You do it just that thorough. Amen. Because you don't know whose lives you are influenced by the work that you do. You don't know who was contemplating suicide and was ready to take their life, but because they saw your work in the world, that they were encouraged to put down the knife, to put down the rope, and to live on a little while longer. But in the text that we have today, it is a text where we see the commissioning of 70 disciples by Jesus Christ to go out into the world and to witness of the good news of Jesus Christ. Their job was to go out and to give witness of the good news of Jesus Christ, 
but he gave them special authority. He gave them authority to tread over scorpions and serpents, amen. They had power over demons. They were able to cast out demons in Jesus' name. But Jesus always provides attention in a text that allows us to deal with the natural inclinations for us to put our emphasis on one thing. But Jesus says your emphasis should be on another. Sometimes we can get caught up in numbers. We can get caught up in materialistic gain. We can get caught up in what the society would show us as being success. But sometimes that is not success from God's perspective at all. We did a three-part series out of the book of Joshua about the recipe for success. And it never really said to Joshua that he was going to have material gain. He was going to have great rewards from that perspective. It didn't even say that the people were going to multiply all the more. But success came from doing everything that was in the word of God. When you look at real success, real success in life is being in the will of Almighty God. Real success is when that day comes when you see your master face to face. And you can confidently say, Lord, I have done all you've asked me to do. And that you can hear with joy from the master that you have been a good and a faithful servant. See, God is not necessarily looking at production from the perspective of what we would consider production more financial resources, greater numbers, but he's looking to see, were you faithful over that which I entrusted to you? No matter how big or no matter how small, were you faithful? And he wants us to be those who weren't just faithful at the beginning, but are faithful at the end. It's not how you start, but it's how you finish. Never forget that. And this run, this race that we run, amen, we talked about this this morning in Sunday school, it's really not a sprint, y'all. It's a marathon. It is a race that's run with patience and long-suffering. There are going to be days when you're going to have bumper crops, but then there are going to be days when you have a famine, too. There's going to be days when it's unbearably hot, and there's going to be days when it's 70 degrees outside. There's going to be days when the wind is blowing hard and the rain is raining sideways. And there's going to be days when the sun is shining bright and the skies are blue. That's just how life is made up. But you've got to go patiently through the days of your life. Learning how to be of good courage. Which means that you are not deterred by the circumstances of life. That because it's a good day today, you go forward, but it's a bad day tomorrow and you quit. No, you do not be deterred by the circumstances, but you keep working according to the faith that you have decided that you are going to work under and that you believe and though though the day looks like you can't do nothing 
you're going to keep doing it anyway. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. See, sight will mess you up. You will see a whole bunch of stuff and hear a whole bunch of stuff that tells you what's the use. Why should I even try today? I got a crazy president. I got, I got folk who don't care nothing about me. I live in a world of white supremacy. I got this. I got that. I mean, the jobs are going out of our country. I mean, we got all of these things. It seems like everybody's falling away from the church. Why should I do anything? Why don't I just get my bag, get my money, and let me go somewhere into a faraway place that I don't have to deal with nobody? I mean, even when I'm at church, sometimes folk is acting so funny. People are being greedy and being snide and folk talking about me. I share some very intimate details with them and then they put it on the wind. Now it's come back to me and it's different than what I actually shared. And I gave it to them in confidence. What's the use? I need to quit. I don't want to be around them hypocrites no more. See, you got to watch what you see. Because the devil is deceitful. The devil is a deceiver. Amen. And sometimes when you look at somebody, you think they're one thing, but they're really another. That's why you got to keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. He is the only one that's solid as a rock. He's the only one who does not change. Amen. Even some of us who by all the best intentions today want to do well, Tomorrow, if our blood sugar ain't right, or our blood pressure ain't right, or something is hurting on us, or we've had an argument with our spouse, or our boyfriend, or girlfriend, or our family member, we might not be so nice. It's not that we didn't want to be, but things happen. But you got to keep your mind focused on the Lord, because he don't go up and down. He don't get mad and sad. Amen. He stays the same every day. He loves you with an everlasting love. Amen. And once we keep that emphasis, we can keep running the race that is before us. It's a simple thing, but it's not easy. That's the thing about the Christian life. That it's simple, but it is not easy. And it's hard to keep your focus sometimes. Amen. In this world, so much noise, so much trash getting in your head. Listening to newscasts and hearing all the things that are being said and some people saying joy, joy, everything's going fine and others are saying doom and gloom, the sky is falling and sometimes you don't know well, which way am I, supposed, am I supposed to feel like everything's alright or that the sky is falling. If you start listening to pundits and folks who or uh, analysts who say they know where things are going, you're going to always be tripped up. You're going to always be wondering which way to go. But when you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, you don't have to wonder where to go. Because that business and that destination is fixed. And you know to quietly, as a believer, continue to keep working the work of him that sent us while it is yet day. Because night is coming when no man can work. See, the good news about what God has called you and I to do, it doesn't matter if the stock market is up. Don't matter if the stock market is down. It doesn't matter if the global markets are in a disarray, if America has put tariffs on China, 
China has put tariffs on America. It does not matter whether or not there's a war in Syria or even a war in the United States. The work that the Lord Jesus has given us to do is an all-season work. It doesn't matter that you can continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ no matter whether it's raining or it's shining. You can share the good news of Jesus Christ and help somebody along the way no matter if the financial situation is a recession or a depression. Amen. You can still come along somebody and add some value to their life. Amen. So we must realize that there's something about the work that we have to do that's not tied to results. Results in the way that we look for results. When we get back to this text, listen to what happens in the text. He says to them, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So the first thing Jesus does is when they come back rejoicing over the work that they've been able to do, casting out demons and all of that, Jesus says to them, how about this? I was there when Satan was cast out of heaven. I was there when the Lord sent him flying out of there like lightning. So you seeing some demons get cast out, you able to do that? How about how much I saw the head of all demons be cast completely out of heaven? Jesus is saying this to grab a hold to their minds, to bring them to the reality that they really need another focus. That it's good that they were able to cast out demons. It'll be good that you're able to do the things you're able to do in your giftedness. But there's something that you ought to have more focus on than just that. The numbers of folks who even are saved. There's something more important to each individual that they must keep their focus on that's even greater than even that. Look at the text. He says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. See, there's something that Jesus knew that they didn't. It's something that he wanted to make sure that they got their perspectives correct. He wanted to make sure that they didn't focus on the physical manifestations, the the changes that they could see in folks' lives as an as a indicator of their relationship with God. Let me try to fix this up a bit. He didn't want them to get caught up in the numbers. My Lord, we went out there and 
And as we worked for that time, we saw 300 folks come to the Lord. We saw 300 folks who were foaming at the mouth. We were able to lay our hands on them and the, the demons came out of them and they started rejoicing and calling upon your name. Lord, that authority you put on us, it seemed like everything we touched turned into gold. He says, and then they wrapped it around, they wrapped it with a bow of religiosity around it too. I mean, after all, it was demons that were being cast out of folk. This text says to us that, that even that, as good as it is, should not be our focus. Because some days there'll be 50 and some days there'll be zero. Some days there'll be a hundred and some days there'll be five. If you count your rejoicing based on numbers, then there'll be days when you won't rejoice at all. There'll be days that instead of folks wanting to hear what you gotta say, there'll be days when folks will cuss you out. There have been days, amen, when I was out, uh, when I was at Mount Vernon and I was doing street ministry, there were days when their folks would come and ask for prayer and that they would come and they want to hear the gospel. But then there were other days when I run into folks that said they were going home to get their gun to come back to shoot me. If I would base my joy on how folk respond to the gospel message, amen, then my joy would be up and it would be down. Because folk are fickle like that. This life is up and down. Jesus Christ himself, in all the great work that he did, all of the folks that were saved under his, under his ministry, there were times when even he could do little. Remember the story that when he was in his own country, Amen. He could hardly do anything at all. It says he was able to heal a few folks, and that was just about it. And he said that a prophet is with honor except in his own country, with his own people, with his own family. It was a place where the wood would not catch on fire. Are y'all following me? Now that's Jesus Christ. So don't you think that there are going to be times when you're going to be successful according to those standards and then other days you won't be? Well, Jesus fixes this for us so that our joy can stay steady. That we can rejoice whether one comes or nobody comes. Because you look at the text. Jesus said, don't get caught up in that. But get caught up in this. That your name are written in heaven. See, the reason why we should rejoice is because we're saved. We should rejoice because we're sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. We should not rejoice because we got a promotion. We should not rejoice because we got a demotion. We should not rejoice because somebody came to Christ. We should not rejoice because somebody rejected Christ. But we rejoice because our names are written in heaven. We rejoice because we are saved. It is that kind of rejoicing that keeps the joy flowing no matter whether it's a good day or a bad day. We have to keep our minds focused on the very fact that Lord, thank you for saving me. 
I, I know that that guy right there didn't want to hear what I had to say. I know that he talked about me bad and hurt my feelings, but I has joy anyway. I'm rejoicing because my name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. My name is set in your book, Master, where nobody can blot it out. I'm rejoicing because of that. And I will be able to, if you give me grace, Master, to get up another day and to try again. Because the reality is that I'm saved and I'm sanctified, and I'm filled with your Holy Ghost. For that reason, I can press on when it's too hot outside. I can press on when it's too cold outside. I can press on when I don't feel like it physically because I'm saved. I'm saved from the wrath of God. I'm saved from a burning hell. I'm saved from the lake of fire and brimstone because you thought it so well according to your good pleasure that you saved my soul. And for that, Lord, I'm going to show you the gratefulness out of my heart and I'm going to keep running until my running is done. I don't know when it shall be, but I'm going to run on for you simply because you saved me. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to praise your name because you saved me. When I'm going during my noonday, I'm going to praise you because you saved me. When I get home at night getting ready to lay my head down, I'm going to praise you because you saved me. And I'm going to keep working because you saved me because you've been just so good. And it is my hope that somebody else might receive that word and be saved also and might be able to enter into the same joy that I'm entered into. That is the reason why we do what we do. We keep rejoicing and we keep working because we're saved. Today I just wanted to bring that out to the saints of God because we live in a difficult time for the church today. We live in a time when folk just really ain't studying church. And most of us in here, amen, are old enough to have lived long enough to have seen the glory days, as some say, of the church. When pews were filled in all sorts of churches, amen, big churches and small churches. But we cannot get caught up in that as a reason to go or to stay. We have to have something that's more solid than that. We have to have something that has greater permanence than that. And what has more permanence than that is that we say. Because the Lord said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that the whosoever's who would believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The, the apostle John says, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life in Jesus Christ. You need something that won't change on you when the wind blows. You need something that won't change on you when the jobs play out. You need something that won't change on you, amen, when half the forest is burned up. And you need to know that you're saved. Today, saints of God, I just wanted to talk to you from that thought so that we can keep our minds fixed on what's most important. So that we don't get discouraged and deterred and end up going to the left or the right, but we keep our mind fixed on Jesus and all that he's already done for us. And when we've got that fixture set, everything else has very little value or very little emphasis or very little um, 
effect on what we do. Amen? Amen. At this time, amen, if there is somebody here, amen, who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, this is the time to get to know him today. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he died one Friday evening for the sins of the world. And he was buried and he rose on the third day morning with all power in his hand. He died on that cross to pay a sin debt that we cannot pay. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. But Jesus Christ came to do for us which we cannot do for ourselves. He died on that old rugged cross without sin and he shed his blood for the remission of our sins. And if you, no matter how low you have gone, no matter what you have done, Jesus still can save you. Because the blood of Jesus that was shed, it never loses its power. You can come to the Lord today. If you know that you don't know Jesus, as your Lord and Savior. You don't have a relationship with him where you talk with him and he talks with you. Right now is the time to get to know him. Right now is the time to say, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord, enter into my heart. Lord, do for me what I cannot do for myself. Because Lord, I don't want to die and go to a burning hell. But I want to live a life that's pleasing to you. That one day I'll be with you in those courts where I'll be praising you all day and all night. I'll be in that place where it'll always be Sunday and the Sabbath will have no end. I'll have rest from my labors. I won't no longer have to fight this fight against good and evil, but I'll be in your presence forevermore. Right now you can come today. It is that time. Don't let another hour, another minute, nor the second go by. Because you don't know if you'll live another day. But right now, Jesus says, come, just as you are. Come unto Jesus. Why? Jesus 
rejoice because you are saved.